What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hey, y'all. This is Josiah Gray, and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoy today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. We are back covering week two of the MLB season and specifically the national season this week. I am Nick. You can follow me on Twitter at the Coach Moose. I am joined by my co-hosts, as always, Amanda and Ryan. You can follow them on Twitter at AWhite7877 and at We Are All Shack. And of course, follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Guys, what's going on? Not too much. Just I was say, uh, talkative group tonight. <laughs> I know, I know. We're recording for those of you who don't know. It's nine forty-two when we're getting started here. It's, it's uh, game time. It's, it's literally first pitch time. Late night. It is literally first pitch time. It's a uh, Otani pitching, which is fantastic. I relish the opportunity to watch Otani pitch. Wake up, throw in a pot of decaf. Let's get going. Yeah, or maybe awesome. calf depending on <laughs> maybe some calf yeah depending on how this episode goes you might need some calf but how about you ryan man i'm just ready to rock and roll you know my softball season's underway oh. i mean i'm just i'm the Shohei otani of slow pitch he's got nothing <laughs> on me how many pitches do you throw 13 <laughs> 13 total or 13 different types of pitches <laughs> that's up for you to decide 
What about uh the Shohei Otani of pickleball? Man, I'm better. I'm I'm like Serena out there on pickleball. <laughs> I'm better. I, I didn't would, know you play pickleball. I do. I I do play pickleball. Uh, absolutely dominating. I would say like a really good ping pong player, but I don't know any good ping pong players. So I'm just gonna say I'm like Serena on the pickleball court. I like it. Yeah, my sister plays and her husband. They do like doubles tournaments and stuff. They're actually really good. That's what I'm in. <laughs> oh, that's cute, Ryan. So much fun. Yeah, she loves it. She loves it. I have never played. Pickleball's a new wave. It's a new wave. Although I don't think it's that new anymore, but it's definitely a wave. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I don't know if it's necessarily a new wave, but it's a wave. It's <laughs> what all the cool kids are doing nowadays. You wouldn't know. You had to be no, there. clearly, clearly not. <laughs> My sister is older than me, though, and she plays. So I don't think it's just the just the kids. Oh man! All right. Well, tonight we are covering week two of the national season. We're recording this on Tuesday, so a little bit later. Obviously, with the Easter holiday and whatnot, uh, recording a, a little bit later this week. So we'll touch on the Ray series, the Rocky series, and then a little bit of the Angels series this week. Obviously, a lot to, to cover, a lot to talk about. Uh, or <laughs> like I said, we're recording uh, while the game's going on. Thought Dom Smith hit his first home run in like 700 days. <laughs> it was close. We we were on Dom Smith home run watch, but uh, he did not get there. So it's all right. It's all right. Um, but yeah, we will cover a lot of baseball today. But first, we are bringing back our quick pitch segment, and I have a doozy for you guys tonight. All right, hit me. It's a tough one, truly. And I, I feel like Ryan's going to answer quick just to, because that's how Ryan does. But like, if you think about it, it's going to be a close race. Here we go. The Washington Nationals. Do they have more losses this season or more home runs hit this season? For reference, the Detroit Tigers were last in the league in home runs hit last year with a 110. The Nationals are nowhere near their pace right now. The balls are juiced right now, and the Nats, I think, probably have three home runs as a team. <laughs> um, so I am hammering the over on the losses here, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I, I already only picked them for, for what was it, 111 losses. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go with more more losses than, yeah, I'm going with, I'm with Ryan on this one. That's basically that seems like a hard question, because... but you're right. Like they only have three. <laughs> is, it, is three? Candelario the... has two. <laughs> Ruiz <laughs> has the other. Uh, no, they have four because Garrett hit one. But yeah, still, it doesn't make it much better. But yeah. what's so funny about they have that? No power. Is they played in Colorado and it was also yep. eight, it was eighty degrees when they were at home. <laughs> like it was. Perfect condition. And the Rays hit eight home runs and they hit one. <laughs> yeah. If you play four, how many games have they played now? This is game 12 tonight, right? Yes. So a third of their games were at Coors Field and they have four total home runs. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It That's that's a good question. They'll be close. It, it, it genuinely will be close. It'll start to even out a little bit. Hopefully. I think they'll stop paying the ball on <laughs> Ho- the ground. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> The, the uh, inflection, the word hopefully, hopefully, like that was pretty funny. They they got to, they have to. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's man. that does. That's an interesting way of highlighting a very very the fact that they have absolutely no power in this lineup. None, none whatsoever. So I just thought that was an interesting question I love to it. pose. 
uh, because it's going to be a struggle in, in both regards to get wins and to get home runs. Um, basically, Before yeah. we move on real quick, I just I feel like the need to bring up here at the top of the show in case there's anyone, not that you guys listening would do this, but in case there's anyone who doesn't make it to the end of the show, um, the fact that that Nick, while tweeting from District on Deck, was complimentary of Victor Robles on Twitter, I I feel like we need to talk about it. I feel like. Well, I mean, I have an actual show doc that like goes through everything. You didn't have. To. Oh, I'd love to see that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe if you just trust me, you know, I would have brought that up. But all right, uh, fair enough. I just want to make sure that gets brought up because I was uh, I was a little bowled over. Yeah, like, the uh, the official statement is, I don't know. I don't okay. Know. That that was not me. I was hacked. <laughs> that was. I have changed all my passwords. I noticed you tweeted it from District on Deck and not from your personal, which cracked me. Listen, up. Uh, District on Deck has had many users over the years. Anyone oh, could have that password. But only one right now. That you know of. I mean, there could be multiple. You don't know. So I can Fair Fair not claim credit for any tweets and I cannot not claim credit. Confirm for or deny. Exactly. Exactly. So, but to finish the quick picks, quick oh, pick sorry. segment. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the way to go about it is come up with a number of losses in your head and figure out if they can hit more home runs than that. I have them, what, 50, I think I said 56, so that would put them at 106. I don't think they get there. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if they get up to 100 home runs because if you do the math, like, a guy like CJ Abrams. Um, let's see who else is a starter. I don't think Alex Call gets to double digits. Uh, Dom Smith certainly won't get to double digits. So it's like if one through nine get 10 home runs, that's 90. But I don't even know if you're mm-hmm. going to get that. Right. And then well, you have to count on bench players like a Corey Dickerson when he gets back, which yeah. we'll talk about that situation later. Uh, a Vargas, a Riley Adams, like none of those guys are getting 10. So it's like yeah. if you don't even have that that baseline uh, from your starters, I mean, you're just not going to get there. So I don't know what the all time record for um, lowest lowest, lowest in the hit. season is since uh, they yeah. shifted to a 162 game season. But I feel like the Nationals could threaten for that. Certainly. Well, looking at pace, I just did a little quick math. And if my math is correct, which is a big if it uh, looks like they're on pace for 54. <laughs> home runs so, so bad <laughs> right, oh, so yeah they're not I even close right take, now right after they played 12 great games out of 162 right so they if they're hitting that's 13.5 you know like percent of the, the 13.5 like one thirteenth of the season basically and if they're hit four every 13th of a season that would get them to 54 I mean, even if you want to be generous and round it up to 60, that's still terrible. It's still so bad. Aaron yeah. Judge by himself had more home runs last year. <laughs> yeah, so. that's a fun one. I like your quick pitch. Yeah, so that was, uh, that was, br- oh no. Okay. Whew. Thought Josiah gave up a leadoff home run. We're good. We're good. We're moving on. <laughs> All right. We are moving on to our good, the bad, and the ugly segment, the segment we do every week to highlight the highlights and lowlights of the Nationals recap week in games, all that good stuff. So we'll start 
we're kind of just going to go general. We'll touch on the Rays series a little bit. Obviously, that was a clean sweep by the Rays, who were, I believe they're still undefeated as uh, the time that we're recording this, which is just insanity. Like, yes, they're playing weak teams like the Nats and the A's, but at the same time, they are pummeling them. Uh, like it's not even close. Uh, and then we split a series with the Rockies. The Rockies series was obviously much more in- interesting because it was a little bit of back and forth and some questionable things going on there. But uh, we'll start with the good. And to Amanda's point earlier, arguably the story of the week has been Victor Robles uh, at the time that we're recording this. So Tuesday night, he's batting over 400. He has like a 167 WRC plus. He is seventh in the league in, uh, I don't know if it's on base percentage or OPS. I, on I, base, he's, as of right now, baseball reference says 487. Yeah, so I was trying to think in the league. Yeah, so he's probably up there in both. Actually, no, I don't know. It's probably on base percentage now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, his on base percentage, he's on, almost getting on base half of every plate appearance, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, And like we can argue not argue maybe discuss how sustainable not sustainable he's not going to hit 400 all year but like if victor robles has turned a corner but i feel like that conversation is going to be like continuing on for a while like we're going to want to continually want to see more and more from victor robles before we start believing in him um so my question for you guys is he is consistently hitting eighth or ninth in the lineup consistently. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's been a single game of the 12 we include tonight because it's uh, the line was obviously already posted. Hasn't been a single game where he's hit above eighth. If you were in charge of the nationals lineup, where are you hitting Victor Robles knowing what he's done over these uh, first 11 games? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. It's hard Ooh. because you have a big sample size of him just needing to be down in the eighth or ninth spot, but you have a much smaller sample size of him doing a whole lot better, but it's only 41 plate appearances so far. And I guess that's hard. I, I don't know. I guess I'd love to hear from you guys what you think, like what is enough of a sample size to say like, okay, it's time to move him up in the order or get, you know, give him a bigger role. I don't know. I, I think I might need to see a little bit more. And I'm kind of of the it's it's working right now, so maybe leave it alone, especially since things don't matter. Maybe for another series or two, and if he's still continuing to do what he's doing, then maybe it's time to to move him up. I mean, he's getting on base. Maybe I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. Maybe you need to hit him close to the top of the order so he's on base for your, you know, quote good hitters. Ryan, uh, I'll let you go first before I answer. What are your thoughts? Well, Davey has his lineup backwards. Um, yes. I think Davey thinks Basically. you're supposed to hit all of your bad hitters on top and your good hitters at the bottom. When you look at the team's OPS by lineup spot, it's <laughs> so funny. because That it's graphic, like at the, yep. <laughs> yeah, it's backwards because he's hitting the team. He routinely hits the team's worst hitters, three, four, five. I like. I don't care. He should bat him in the top five. I don't care where it is in the top five. Bat him in the top five. Put all the young guys in the top five. Dom Smith should bat 12th. I don't want to see him anymore. Should bat. <laughs> if he's going to keep playing, bat him nine. Right? Just put him in the top five. I don't care where it is. He's finally he doing stuff. Do. Yeah. We'll talk, I'll, I'll dive into that more in a little bit. But just bat him in the top five. Like, it's so annoying that the Nats tweeted say like, oh, this is what Victor Robles is doing. And he's batting last. And he's 
that yeah. second game of the was it the second game of the Rocky series or the third? I think it was the second where the bottom of the order was just crazy. It was like I don't even know three hits each from uh, Thomas and Abrams and Robles, and you're like, why are these guys at the bottom of the order? Yeah, so I basically echo Ryan's sentiments. Like the lineup seems backwards right now. Like as crazy as this sounds. Robles and Abrams in some order, whether you want them one, two or Abrams first and Robles second makes so much more sense. That being said, Alex call has done a fine job leading off. Like I had probably a relative of Alex call in my mentions, like losing their, their mind over the fact that in my, you know, personal lineup preference, I had Alex call batting last. And that's not because he was the worst hitter. That's just because he sees a lot of pitches and he is actually like the second leadoff guy. He is someone who lengthens the lineup and doesn't just provide an easy out. But of the other aspects, uh, of course, he worked a walk to lead off tonight's game. Of the other aspects of a leadoff guy, like he doesn't provide a ton, but no one in this lineup really does outside of CJ Abrams. But he's not doing that right now. That's just kind of like what you hope he grows into. But it's just so early for him. You don't know. My point is, you have a guy hitting close to 450, hit him higher than ninth. Like, I, right. I don't <laughs> I don't think it's rocket science here. I'm not, I've never even advocated it for, for him to hit one or two. Like, if it, they did, fine. I can 100% see the thought process behind it. But hit him higher than five, or sorry, than uh, eighth or ninth. Like, nine. if whether it's five or six. Like, it, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? I am... This I feel lineup, like maybe Davey's traumatized by all the years of watching what Victor Robles Davey does. has traumatized me. Like, I don't, ca- I don't care about Davey's uh, trauma. I care about my trauma, what matters to me. Um, but, like, this lineup needs to be constructive, constructed off meritocracy. Whoever's performing gets higher in the lineup. Like, that's how it needs to work. There's no Soto. There's no Bryce. There's no Trey Turner. Those guys that are just, like, locked into those spots, even though they might be going through slumps. Like, there's no one like that on this roster. And he's doing that with Joey Manessis. He's doing it with Dom Smith, who, like, was absolutely god-awful last year. He's doing it with uh, Jamer Candelario, which I kind of see with Jamer just because he's the only one who's really been hitting extra base hits. But, like, he hasn't been hitting outside of those few times he's gotten extra base hits. But, like, I see why you want to still have him around the order. But there's no reason to hit him second. Hit him fifth. He's fine. He's, like, he's a, he's a big boy. He's not going to cry and complain that he's hitting fifth instead of second. Like, there's so many different, better, in my opinion, options than what, what's going on. And hitting a guy who's seventh in the league OPS last is just, like, it, it's so indicative uh, of this this team as a whole, the state of this team right now. So. So how many um how many at bats would you two consider to be where you would actually be willing to come out and say okay Victor Robles has figured it out he's finally a different guy this year than he's been in the past I need like what's that we all keep making that small sample size caveat like when do we stop saying that when is it enough he needs a hell a hell of a lot more um, yeah he's having a great start to the season he's done this before right. But there are changes with him at this point in the season because he's not chasing as many pitches outside the zone. Mm-hmm. He's swinging at more pitches inside the zone, which is great. He's also making more contact. Strikeout rates, 8%. But 
he's got a 453 BABIP and his expected WOBA is about 80 points higher than his WOBA. He's about to go two for 40 here any minute. Like <laughs> nothing he is doing is real right now. Okay. And so like, you're not a believer yet. No, no, I'm not. I'm not a believer. He does this all the time, but I do think, I do think it's possible that he finishes the year closer to 250 than 220, which I will give him credit for because I did not think he could hit 250 again ever in his life. So I'm proud of him for that. I do think he gets closer to 250. But I just, I still don't know if this is the breakout that we've been absolutely waiting for for Victor very badly. Yeah. And I agree with Ryan's point there. Like we have been clamoring for at least two years at this point, just be average offensively, just be average offensively. But I actually think that's what we're going to get. We're going to get an average offensive Victor Robles. Like we need to kind of be happy with that because that's what we wanted. And with his defense, like that's an above, like put it all together. That's an above average baseball player. Like it just is, is he, you know, a foundational piece, the foundational piece that we thought he was going to be. No, but we kind of knew that ship had sailed already. Like his power tool is completely gone. Like a- absolutely evaporated. When was his last home run? I He hit like seven last year, which shocked me. Um, but yeah, anyways, like what he's doing right now, is just uh, basically the whole team. But what he's doing right now is just a bunch of singles. And like Ryan said, is you know, kind of an outlier through these 11 games with how high his BAPIP is. And that's going to come crashing down. He's going to have a stretch. But again, if he finishes the year 250-ish, that range. I would take it. That's that's more than fine. That's more than fine. So has he turned a corner? I mean, I guess it depends on how big the corner was. (laughs) Like, I I don't know, you know, what your expectations were. Has he proven to be better than he has the past three years i think so but i don't think like i'm not going to go into next offseason at least i I don't think i'm not going to go into next offseason saying victor robles needs an extension like i'm like we're just going to let him walk after the 2024 season and we're not necessarily going to miss him but we're going to probably look back this is me projecting obviously i'm not saying not staking my claim or anything. I think we're going to look back and be like, oh yeah, he was fine, but he just never panned out to be the five tool prospect. He was touted to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, you know, looking back on him as being fine would be an improvement from what I had kind of resigned myself to. So I would take that. Ryan, were you going to say something? Yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't really matter, but like no. if we look back on robust as fine, it's, it's still a failure. Oh, for sure. But- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and that's a whole other conversation. Wasn't that it, it Shane Bieber that we could have had in a trade? Uh, that one they were trying it hard to get Bieber. Yeah. Um, Cole, it was JT Real Muto, it yeah. was Chris Sale. It was he was the untouchable prospect. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but yeah, we're going to have that conversation again uh, in about two years with some of the other prospects. But we're not going to cross that bridge now because uh, people aren't ready to hear that conversation yet. Um, all right, let's move on to some of the other good stories of the week. We can kind of talk about them both at the same time. We got some great starting pitching performances this week. Uh, Josiah Gray joins the list after appearing on the ugly segment last week, had a much better performance this week. And then Mackenzie Gore, a uh, repeat yeah. appearance on the good segment. Uh 
arguably even better performance than his opening day start against it or opening start against Atlanta. Uh, he went six innings, two runs in Colorado. Josiah Gray went six innings, one run in Colorado. Uh, so they both appear on this list. What are you guys' thoughts on the Gore and Gray starts this week? So Gore, him. I'll, I'll dive on him in a little <laughs> bit. Um, Gray, Gray is so interesting. I'm, I'm classifying him as an enigma. So this start, he had six Ks, one earned run, zero in my book. That one earned run is because Lane Thomas sucks. Yep. Um, he had 19 whiffs, 42% whiff on the slider, 38% on the fa- whiff on the fastball. He threw the fastball out of the zone a lot. He had four hard hit balls, zero barrels, all in course, which is rather fantastic. I think all of us were kind of like, great. What, what's this guy going to give up? You know, like after his first start of the season. Like, this guy's going to get absolutely rocked. He bounced back. He pitched well. It was really good to see. But the reason why I'm calling him an enigma is because his stuff doesn't make sense. And not in a good way. Um, His stuff plus is down on every single pitch this year. His IVB on this fastball was worse in start two than it was in start one. That's fine. You can contribute to cores. It's whatever. The stuff plus is down even on his good pitches, and the movement is down also. Again, that's cores, but what concerns me is that it's noticeably different than it was in spring training. When you look at Josiah Gray's stuff, he's a completely different pitcher from spring training to the regular season, which is a little concerning because he had a fantastic spring training. Like He had a 0.57 ERA in the spring, which is great. The stuff drop-off doesn't really makes sense i don't know what to contribute to i don't know if it was conditions with it being windy and then pitching in cores but i think that is going to be something that's very interesting to watch with gray because if that stuff plus in the ivb keeps declining what it is we're going to have a lot more of those starts like we did in the first one of the season than we did last year and it's i just can't figure out why there's such a big drop off from spring training to now and it's kind of frustrating but I got got the result, and that's quite frankly the only thing that matters. Yeah, I think. Well, it's hard to think anything, and it's kind of what you were saying. Like it's just confusing because we don't know what the Nats are doing. Like they're clearly not doing anything right. You know, historically speaking, as far as developing pitching, but we don't even know what that is. We don't know, you know, what has changed with Josiah between spring training and now. I mean, it, it was only three weeks ago, so it feels like not much should have changed. But at the same time, you know, maybe they decided to go back to something because the, I think it was the first start, you know, all all spring training long. It was like, oh, the cutter, the cutter, the cutter. And then mm-hmm. the first start, he throws like three cutters in like 90 pitches. We're like, where the hell did the cutter go? And he struggled and gave up a lot of home runs and his fastball is his worst pitch. And not just that it's one of the worst pitches in the major leagues. And he was throwing it like 60% of the time. We're like, what, what the hell? Like where, where'd the cutter go? And then the second start, like baseball savant, you know, was registering a lot of pitches as cutters. And, but um, like other sites were just registering them as fastballs, which kind of tells you the cutter wasn't moving. Right, which is what a point Ryan brought up 
um, after his first start, like that was going to be a problem with the cutter starting to mirror the slider and vice versa. And both pitches just losing their effectiveness. So I just don't understand what's going on. Cause I don't know like what the thought process is or what the strategy is, but you know, he did bounce back in a notoriously tough place to pitch. He's going to have games like this where, um, you know, he struggled to give up or struggled by giving up home runs in his previous start, but then bounces back and looks like he can be, you know, a guy, I think, I believe it was Sam Dykstra. Um, I don't, I don't recall exactly, but at the time of the trade, we asked for a kind of a profile on Josiah Gray. And he was like, he's not an ace, but you know, a middle of the rotation starter is more than like is within the range of, uh, of outcomes. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing is like, if he can just do this consistently, not every time, because if he did it every time, he would be an ace. But if he can do this consistently and, you know, at the season's end, wind up with an ERA around four, yeah, he's a middle of the rotation guy. I don't know if that's going to be this season, but I think we're starting to see like why his ceiling is a little bit lower than, you know, some starts would indicate. It's because he can't do this all the time. There's going to be random, you know, unexplainable phenomenons with Josiah Gray and, and his stuff that lack of consistency is going to prevent him from like hitting that upper echelon of pitchers. What's also interesting is I'm looking more at it. His velocities are down too. And I sent a picture during his start in Colorado and all of his RPMs were down across the board, which was fascinating And I noticed it too, that his velocity was down. I didn't really think anything of it, but looking at it tonight, like he hit, I seen him hit 95 once, but his fastball is kind of sitting 91, 92, and he was at 95, 96 in spring training. So that's a little interesting. injury? Like, that's really weird. What in the world would? Like, I I don't, I don't know. Like, like I said, the results are what matters right now. And the results have been good. His last seven or eight innings he's pitched but the velocity's down the movement's different so much is different where i'm just feeling like something's got to be off with him uh looking at uh the game day app so i don't know how official these numbers are right off the bat i don't know if they're set in stone right away or if they change later on once it's more refined he's throwing the cutter a lot more tonight through he's through two innings right now like 20 something pitches. He's throwing the cutter a lot more and that's sitting 89 to 91. He's thrown a couple of four seam fastballs that are the one I'm looking at is 93.8. So it is down from like 95, 96, but I think that 90 ish number we're seeing is mainly from the cutter, not necessarily the fastball, but if the cutter looks like a four seam fastball, then we still have a problem. <laughs> so, right. you know, there's still a problem one way or another. Yeah. That actually brings you, I read a really interesting, I think it was, it was in the post. I think it was Jesse Doherty who wrote about it, but it was about um, his pitch selection and what he's throwing and how much. And through that, that this isn't counting tonight because it was written yesterday. Um, but it was he's thrown so far in his two two outings: sixty six sliders, forty eight curves, forty four seam fastballs, twenty three cutters, and twelve sinkers. And that would indicate that his fastball usage is way down from what it was last year. It was 39% last year, down to about 20% now. So interesting, he's increasing the cutter usage, but it seems like he's, you know, basically replacing a lot of that forcing fastball usage with his with his off-speed stuff, which because that was 
you know, one of the worst pitches in baseball last year um, is probably a good thing, but it was just really interesting. You know, he, um, he gave up, what was it? 38 homers last year, 39, 38. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. But I remember, I remember the number off of his fastball was twenty-four home runs off of his forcing fastball last year. So yeah, I, I think seeing him throw that a lot less is a good thing. But he's got to figure out a way to, yeah, he's got to figure out a way to make those off-speed pitches more effective. But I'm glad he's throwing the cutter more. It was really strange how little he was throwing it after how much it was ballyhooed in the in spring training. But you're right, right. It's very the, the changes are stark and kind of unexplained i'm i don't know he doesn't seem injured he seems like he's feeling fine and i don't know i don't know what explains it it's he's he's kind of an enigma to me right now just looking through again we're through two innings this game could be drastically different by the time like we get to the ugly segment or the end of the show or after the show (laughs) whatever but through two innings or he's thrown only two forcing fastballs, but to Ryan's point, they were 92.5 and then 93.8. So they are down. And I don't know if throwing a cutter is just messing with his grip a little bit and he's not getting the full spin rate from his um, fastball. And that's why to Ryan's point, again, you might've seen the RPM go down because just too many different fastball grips is messing with him because the game day app also has him throwing four sinkers tonight. So it's like he's effectively throwing three different fastballs and none of them are particularly effective right Mm -hmm. now. Like he's getting outs and that's what matters. That's what we want. Uh, Oh, boy. Mm. I thought Candelario hit a home run. I guess the ball's not carrying tonight uh, because every swing looks like a home run. Um, And I keep getting distracted. I got to turn the TV on. Yeah. But anyways, (laughs) like the, the bottom line is he's not giving up runs and hits at least as much so that's what you want um to go back to his last oh i guess that's the start we're talking about against the rockies he was through six the one run was not his fault lane thomas lost the ball in the sun it was the only run of the game it was a really disheartening performance not from him but just from the team um so that sucked but he's through six innings and then davy sends him out for the seventh and then he starts getting hit like Maybe don't like don't send him out like longer than he needs to. It just uh, made no sense. So then he, you know, gave up two more runs. And I can't remember who came in to relieve him, but they did a great job like cleaning up the mess and not allowing any of the inherited runners to score. So thank you, Bullpen, for saving Josiah Gray's because uh Josiah Gray's stat line because I d- I didn't want to hear the oh he had a bad start, he gave up like four runs. Like, I mean, yes, but no, like he just shouldn't have been in that game in the seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so that was Josiah Gray. Hopefully, you know, when we're recording next week, we're like, oh, yeah, Josiah Gray was great against the Angels and, and whatnot. He's through two hitless inning, no walks, and only uh, uh, in a strikeout. So we'll we'll see if he can continue on with a, with a good start tonight. Uh, you guys want to talk about Mackenzie Gore? Anything you wanted to hit on with that? Yeah, Gore's him. Him? Um. My biggest concern with Gore coming into the season was that he pitches the contact and the Nats defense last year was dog water. So I was a little concerned about that, but defense kind of looked good this year. Um, So that's a pretty pleasant surprise, which is good. That's going to help him out a lot. Um, His exit velocity is down from last year, which is great because it was very high last year. Mm -hmm. His hard hit percentage is down about 8% as well through two starts, which is really good to see he went against 
a good lineup in the Braves. The Rockies are absolutely terrible, but pitching in cores can be difficult, and he looked good there. Love what I see from the guy through two games. Can't can't complain at all. Yeah. Yeah. Agree with that. I mean, you know, two and oh, not that wins and losses is a big deal for pitchers, but you know, it's better to have wins than not have wins. Um, so far a two three eight ERA. I mean, you can't you can't say a one two four whip, twelve to six uh strikeout to walk ratio. I mean, he's just I mean, these stats look great. Eleven and a third innings across two starts, too, which to start the year is really not bad at all. Um, I just have nothing bad to say. He looks good. He definitely, I, I can't remember which one of you said in the last episode or the episode before, I think it might've been you, Ryan, or said one of your predictions was that Gore would supplant Gray as like the... It was the overreaction segment. The overreactions, is that what it came from? Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that, I don't think that's an overreaction. I, I think that's already happening, that he's he's looking like the best young pitcher on the staff right now. You know what like, really hurts me is Mackenzie Gore ranks in the 95th percentile in extension and Josiah Gray ranks in the 6th percentile. And I'm like, can we just like help a brother out? Like <laughs> give him some extension because <laughs> that would solve so many problems. And, you know, Mackenzie Gore doesn't need all that extension. Like there <laughs> needs to be something to go around. Um, but yeah, Mackenzie Gore looks great. And uh, his last start was in Colorado. He faced 24 batters. 15 of them he had in two straight counts and he only puts wow. like he only struck out six and you know, like ryan said pitching in cores is very difficult because the altitude messes with spin rates and breaks and all that stuff so your effective put away pitches aren't necessarily as effective and that's one of the many reasons why cores is a difficult place to pitch but if he struck out six batters and had this the the night he did uh, having 15 batters and two strike counts. Imagine when he gets into like a pitcher friendly park, like he we're going to get some performances this year where Mackenzie Gore has double digit strikeouts. And it's going to be, it is like the, the mania around Mackenzie Gore, Mackenzie mania coining it now. Uh-huh. Like it, it's going to be real and it's going to be like really cool. Like that's going to be a storyline for this team that is actually fun to to follow not like yeah. the joey manessa stuff not like the Gerardo faro stuff like none of that like this is going to be something where I, i'm i don't want to throw out the strasburg thing but just for the the time and the state of the team when strasburg came up it's going to be very similar where it's like all right every fifth day mackenzie mania like let's yeah, go something to look forward to yeah like that's it, it's going to be really really cool because he's going to have days where he's absolutely on and he's going to have days where he sucks. Like his command is still a little bit iffy sometimes, but it's certainly better. Yeah. It's certainly better than it has been. It's certainly better than it was last year. Like the Rockies, uh, he faced the Rockies twice last year and they ruined him. (laughs) Like they, they remember that year. So (laughs) the fact that he was able to come back in cores this year and handle a team that had his number previously, like it says a lot about Mackenzie Gore. So I'm really excited about what he can, uh, do for the future for sure he is him remember when max scherzer was in that and double digit strikeouts were like a thing that we saw sometimes that was like the yeah. norm we like we I got know. so used to it so used to it like you know 13 strikeouts 16 strikeouts no big deal no big deal all the time no big deal yeah and it's like he had the 20 game strikeout or 20 oh. strikeout game and then the uh, two no hitters right well no i'm not 
going through his resume, I would will take all episode to go through that. But I just mean like he had that. So every game he pitched after that, I was like, oh, he didn't get to 20 though. <laughs> it's true. It was so spoiled. Good lord, yeah. we were so spoiled. Yeah. yeah. It always comes back around though, as we are as we are learning. Mm-hmm. All right. A couple of other players in the good uh portion. I don't know if there's gonna be a ton to say on him. Um, but Mason Thompson, three appearances since the last time we talked, three scoreless innings, uh, only one hit, three strikeouts has been great. I mean, Hunter Harvey has been great too, uh, but Mason Thompson going perfect is just like he, he gets the the shout out from the bullpen for the week. Still question his uh, deployment strategy, but it seems like he is at least being put in more high leverage situations than he used to. So shout out Mason Thompson. CJ Abrams, though, again, we found him in the bad segment last week. He's now in the good segment. Had a much, much better week, including a Friday night rally in Colorado, hitting two triples, one of which came on a 3-0 count. And the 3-0 mm-hmm. pitch was not a fastball. It was a hanging slider. And he still stayed on it. Like, it was super awesome, super poised of him to see. And also, his defense has been much, much, much better. Like, I haven't had a single concern about his defense since then. Uh, I think I had a little bit of, like, PTSD in the Brave series where it's like every ball was hit to him. I was like, oh, yikes. Like Ryan said, he was, like, cringing a little bit every time a ball was hit to him. But mm-hmm. since then, since the Brave series, and he's, you know, been able to settle in a little bit more, he's looked so much better. He's made some really difficult plays. He's he's made some plays that, like, ended up being, like, infield singles, but he still made a great effort and was, like, late by half a step that don't show up on highlight plays because, you know, they weren't outs. Like he's done a lot of things well, but most importantly, his approach to the plate has gotten better. And, you know, he's never going to be a, you know, 950 OPS guy, but having a good approach at the plate, working the walks like he's doing is going to, you know, pay huge dividends for his development. Yeah, that 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 game in Colorado was crazy. And, you know, he had such a rough start, although, you know, I mean, he's so young, it's nerves. I mean, you can't really you can't really put too much stock in in any one really bad game or any one really great game. But, man, that was that was a crazy game. He was doing it all. He's uh, I I still, as you know, was very high on him going into the season. I still am. I think um, he's got a lot of development to do. You know, these are you were just saying this about Mackenzie Gore, like he's going to have it some nights and some nights he's just not. And I think that's true of all young players. And uh, Abrams has a long way to go, but his, he's got a I, don't, I think he's got a really high ceiling. And, uh, you know, like you pointed out, the um, working walks, the kind of showing a little bit of maturity at the plate is good to see. And um, the defense really had nowhere to go but up. I mean, he wasn't going to, you know, be getting three errors a night, but uh, I, I did see when I was looking at stuff getting ready for recording tonight that he still has a, a negative 0.1 war right now because of that one opening day game or that opening series, I should say, say which was, yeah, which skewed, was not good. But yeah, skewed him a bit. Definitely he, skewed him a bit. Once he starts getting on base more, but also steals more bases, like that mm-hmm. number is going to go way in the oh, other direction. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Ryan, what are your thoughts on C.J. Abrams? Yeah, he he had a good week. It was good. It was good to see. Um, you say he's not going to be a nine fifty OPS guy. I don't really think he's going to be a seven fifty OPS guy either. But he had a good week. It was really promising. He looked better defensively. Looked more comfortable in his last seven games. Was hitting three twenty, three ninety three, 
520, which is really encouraging to see. According to Baseball Sabbath, he did not have his first barrel. He still doesn't have a barrel. Oh, they took it away from him? They did. It did not count as a barrel, but his hard hit percentage is up pretty well, which is good. He's been making a lot of good contact. Interesting to note with him, he is young. The only thing he can hit is sinkers. He's hitting 875, 1250, 894 against sinkers. He ain't hitting against anything else. He does have a hit off of a cutter. He is one hit off a cutter, but no hits against four seamers, curveballs, changeups, or sliders. That's an issue. Stop throwing him sinkers. <laughs> yeah, that that that's an issue. Um, he's young. It's fine. That'll come along, but he's gonna need to learn to hit a fastball and also off speed. But it was very very encouraging signs to see from him this week after his three error kind of poo-poo opening day yeah for sure and i want to see him get on base a lot more because that speed is deadly if he can get on base and right now his on base percentage going into tonight's game was only 308 um but if he can get that number up get on base and and you know create some havoc that's going to be a big part of his game but you can't can't do that until you get on base so he's got to figure it out at the plate a little bit more yep that is for sure. All right. Two more in the good segment that we will rattle off. Uh, this next one I'm so excited about. So excited. Stone motherfucking Garrett oh, finally, yeah. finally gets his chance to show something. And boy, did he not disappoint. Now everyone's trying to claim that they were first on the stone. No, it was me. It was me from the start. <laughs> Everyone knows it. The real people know that I was first on the Stone Garrett bandwagon. And boy, I am taking my victory lap. It has only been two games, but that is not because of Stone Garrett. That is because this managerial staff refuses to freaking play Stone Garrett, which makes no sense at all. He provides the only power on the team. If he was in the lineup consistently, this team would have 200 home runs at the end of the season because he would have 100 by himself. Stone Garrett is the man. It was it was such a good performance. Four for five. Nearly hit for the cycle, but he had to settle for two doubles. What a scrub. A uh, home run that was just like man strength, three-run shot, five RBIs, hitting second in his first game of the year. Followed it up next day. For some reason, they dropped him down to fifth. No big deal. Still goes two for five, two shots, two more RBIs. He played two games, and he's already tied for the lead in, in RBIs. But you know what we should do next? Bench him. Makes no sense. No sense whatsoever. But still, through two games, everyone else got like six games. Two games, Stone Garrett still finds himself on the good segment for this week because he is also him, and he needs to be playing more. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't argue with any of that. I, I mean, in in two games, how are you tied with people who have been playing the whole season? It's, uh, I don't know. I don't understand why they're not playing him. I have absolutely no explanation. Sometimes you can be like, oh, well, Davey's probably thinking this, you know, whatever. I have no, I have no idea why he's choosing to play the people he's choosing to play over stone Garrett. It just doesn't make any sense. And this is one of the seasons we talked about. We talked about at the beginning, like just play the guys who have an opportunity to be here in the future and see what we got. There's no reason to, you know, it doesn't matter what the results are. And I don't know it. This one is bizarre, but he four for five. What can you say? And, you know, almost the cycle two doubles is nothing to sneeze at. Um, I don't know. That game was one of actually made me my most enjoyable game of the season so far. That one was super, super fun. I have a different one, but I will uh, 
talk about was that it it, with the next guy. I will talk about that with the next guy, the final guy on the good list. Right. But I will let Ryan touch on Stone Garrett first. You know, I fully expected him to be benched after he went four for five. Like that's just <laughs> the most peak Davy thing of all time. But I'm not really sure why the front office isn't coming down and telling Davy to play him every single day, even if it is just as a DH. I don't care about Joey Manessis. Joey Manessis provides absolutely nothing to this team. They need to see what they have in Stone Garrett. They need to play him. They need to see if they're able to flip him for something because the power tool is there. His potential is pretty good. Play the man. I don't know why they refuse to play people who actually matter and give them at-bats, but play the guy. Need to see if he can do this consistently. Have to see if that power can translate from AAA to the majors because if it does, they can flip out the deadline for a very solid piece. So naturally, he's not playing. Right. And I still keep thinking, like, how did he not make the opening day roster? I don't know. I, whatever. It's going to, I, I'm going to have to take two weeks off from the show when Dickerson gets back and they reassign Stone Garrett to AAA. You have to take a sabbatical for your mental health. I mean, (laughs) there's just no, there's like no excuse for that. Like, this team is not good enough to care about righty lefty split numbers. They're just not. That's a playoff team thing. That's where you want to have a lefty on the bench. This team is not in that position. This team is not good enough. And guess what? If you really like did want to care about that, then bench Dom Smith because Stone Garrett is like really who you want to be playing every day. And if you want a lefty on the bench, there's Dom Smith right there waiting for you. Like there, there's other things they they could do, and they're just not because of some like random loyalty to veterans that you just met like Dom Smith, like Corey right. Dickerson, like these guys that like Candelario, like, well, I guess no one would, there's no one to play behind Candelario. So that's a little bit different, but you know, it's just some weird loyalty that, you know, these like young guys, oops, CJ Abrams double. Hell yeah. Um, It's like these new young guys need to like wait their turn in line. It's some, it's like antiquated way of thinking. I just don't like, especially for a 50 win team, like who the hell cares? All right, <clears throat> the last guy on the good segment. You guys have any guesses? I don't. You don't? Yeah. Tim uh, Bogar. Tim uh, Bogar makes his way onto the good list because wow, he filled in for Davey Martinez last night and had one of the best managed games I have seen in Nationals history. Not an overreaction. That is just facts dude was like a puppeteer pulling all the strings to perfection he was awesome there was a situation first of all it was a patrick corbin start you manage a game and end up getting win out of a patrick corbin start you deserve to be the full-time manager (laughs) I, i don't make the rules that's just the rules but also he pulled patrick corbin after patrick corbin had a six pitch fifth inning one two three Rather than Davey would have left him in. He'd be like, oh, he just got through one, two, three, uh, or three, three, three outs right. and six pitches. I would put him in for the six. Bogart goes, nope, yoink, pulls him out of the game, goes to Mason Thompson, which I love because Davey would have gone to Erasmo Ramirez. I love that. But then, so Thompson hits the first guy, gets the next two outs. Mike Trout comes up. You know what Tim Bogart does? He doesn't let Thompson pitch to Trout. He goes to Hunter Harvey who lives at the top of the strike zone and trout is much better at hitting pitches lower in the strike zone, strike zone than he is in the top of the strike. I mean, it's Mike Trout. He's good at hitting everywhere. 
but Mason Thompson plays into Trout's strings by being a sinker baller. So he goes to Hunter Harvey. And what does Hunter Harvey do? Strikes out Mike Trout. It was awesome. It was mm-hmm. beautiful. He pulled all the strings perfectly. It was, I, they were using small ball to manufacture runs. They were like the deployment and the execution and the preparedness that we saw on Monday night was that, that we have not seen in such a long time. It was beautiful. And I didn't think I could be any more on the fire Davy train, but knowing that Tim Bogart would be the interim manager, please, please. And like, I'm going to have to do more research on like his background and kind of, especially with analytics and stuff like that before I like commit to him as like the full-time manager, but for interim base purposes, let him finish the season, please. I am begging you to let him finish the season. Just that one, that one he, game was enough to convince He's doing things Davey has never done in one game. It, it Like it literally gave off the vibe that, hey, I don't agree with this guy. Like he, he's just an idiot. I would do things completely different, but he's the manager. So I'm not going to say anything like that's the vibes it gave off and him being able to like actually have a little bit of control and seeing that control come to fruition. It was beautiful, beautiful. And I wish... Listen, I'm not wishing uh, like anything bad to happen to Davey. I just wish we got to see more of Tim Bogart because I want to like know more about him. That's all. Like I, I want to see situations where Tim Bogart has a little bit of control just to see, you know, what we might have that uh, we, like might just be sitting right under our noses. <laughs> well, I would not have picked this as your last thing on the good list for tonight, but I will say I agree with you in that it was very interesting to see how aggressive he was with the bullpen management, even just in the sixth inning. You know what I mean? Like, you usually expect that to come later in the game. Like you pull your, if you pull your starter after five, you think you're going to your long guy, try to get a couple of innings out of them. And of course he did get um, Harvey for with the sixth and then he came back for the seventh. Um, yeah, it was great. It was it was really interesting to see the difference in the managing. And if you had told me that they were going to end up striking out both Ota- this this staff would end up striking out Trout and Otani multiple times, I don't think I would have believed you. It was definitely a fun game. It was it was a good one last night, and you know I I hadn't given it as much thought as you had about the fact that it was Tim Bogar rather than Davy. But you know Davy's back tonight, so it was a it was a short interlude. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, all right. We're gonna move on to the oh sorry, Ryan. Did you have any thoughts on last night? No. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, we are going to move on to the bad segment. But before we do that, we are going to pause for a word from our sponsors. A little bit of background. We've been having some issues, if you couldn't tell, with the automatic uh ads that are supposed to be inserted into our show so if you hear five seconds of dead silence uh just reflect on our first 40 minutes of conversation and uh come back for the next 40 minutes when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply save big on brunch for mom all in the kroger app 
Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, we're back. And hopefully you heard some ads in the meantime. But we are moving on to the bad segment of the good, the bad, and the ugly. And coming up first is Patrick Corbett. Um, and I, I, like we could just rename the bad, particularly. Oh, sorry. I am looking at the ugly segment. In the bad segment is Davey Martinez. Sorry, I, I, I jumped the gun there a little bit. Um, I had Corbin on the brain. The bad segment, Davey is back. <laughs> like that's just, you know, kind of self-explanatory with what I just said. Uh, Ryan, what are your thoughts on uh, Davey Martinez as it currently stands? Um, I've never seen someone like ride the coattails of past glory so hard as Davey Martinez then going to like your local bar when you're back for Thanksgiving, you see some 65 year old man who's like, you know, I hit 30 home runs when I was in high school. I would have made it to the bigs. That's the same energy Davey gives. I'm over him. I cannot wait for the day that everyone in this front office and everyone on this coaching staff is let go. That's going to be the happiest day of my life. If any of them are extended, I will delete my Twitter account. <laughs> Oh, I yeah, I already hear people like, rooting for the extensions now. Al Bundy with his four touchdowns in a single game story. Well, you guys might be too young. For yeah, no, say, don't, no, uh, don't know uh, that. Uh, 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 that is a fantastic show. Love and marriage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Great That's show. Great show. So, um, yeah, I, I try not to have any vitriol because I – I think Dave Martinez is, it seems like a fabulous human. The players obviously really like him, but I, I don't know how anyone can advocate for him remaining the manager of this team. I, I don't know. It, it, the whole front office to me, we need, a, we need an entirely fresh start. We're in a rebuild and we had this conversation already um, about, you know, what's the type of management we need to see for this kind of a rebuild that they're in right now. But what they need is somebody who's going to, you know, see what they have with the young guys. And Martinez is exactly the opposite of that. He's a guy who's going to, like you said, Nick, a little while ago, always, you know, give deference to the veterans and, you know, make his lineup decisions based on that and make his, make his, you know, who sits in who, in, in who, you know, who plays. I don't know. The whole thing is just very, I don't know. It feels kind of old school. It feels kind of like, you know, oh, he's a guy who, you know, follows the unwritten rules and all of that. But like what I want to see is this team has nothing to play for right now except finding out who these guys are. We need new player development. We need we need a whole new set of eyes and a whole new set of minds on this team. And, you know, this sticking with the same old, same old doesn't make any sense to me at all. Preach, preach. Uh, Josiah Gray just hit two batters in a row, and I'm panicking. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, saw that. That's... One of one of whom was a uh, one Mike Trout. You might have on a three-two count. Yeah, that's panicking. actually kind of smart. So uh, his walks are down. So I'm kind of <laughs> bored with them. Every time you get three balls, just hit them. Did you guys but... see that thing recently about the the minor league game where yeah, no hitter with a no hitter seven yeah. runs? I remember seeing that stat line. I was like, what the hell? 
is this? Like, I need, I need all the details. And yeah, it was that, something like this. Just hit all the batters. Walk that's guys. like little league stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Continuing on with the bad segment, a couple other things um, that could go either way. It, the, it's hard to tell which way they're trending. Uh, first and foremost, Luis Garcia is hurt. It does seem like he pulled a hamstring on Friday night. It does seem like he will avoid the injured list, but he has not mm-hmm. played since Friday night. So it's something to monitor because they could always place him on the injured list retroactive to Friday's game. So it is something to monitor. Uh, Ildemaro Vargas just hit the injured list, uh, jammed his shoulder on a diving play yesterday or the day before. And um, Jeter Downs was called up to replace him in that kind of utility role. Michael Chavis has been been getting the everyday starts at second base. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Jeter Downs kind of replaces that role or not. Um, but we certainly hope Luis Garcia avoids injured list and is back soon. Um, the other one is Kyle Finnegan, which mm. he finds himself on the bad segment and not the ugly segment because like he came back yesterday and had a clean one, two, three inning where he struck out Mike Trout to finish the game, which, you know, <laughs> not to, to shit on Mike Trout, but like seems to be a common thing uh, for Mike Trout nowadays. Um, but like Kyle Finnegan is just kind of a, another enigma uh, of the nationals team. Like he absolutely implodes and then he comes back for a one, two, three ninth against a mm-hmm. pretty good team. So it's just, it's hard to know which way, you know, he's trending, but he's cer- he certainly seems like he's going to get more save appearances. And then guys like Erasmo Ramirez and Carl Edwards jr. Had games where they struggled, but those guys didn't have a ton of expectations, but what are your thoughts on Kyle Finnegan as it stands right now? Well, yeah, he's pretty up and oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Oh no, no, no! no. You hate him, please, I know. Please, 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 Amanda, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no. oh, yeah. Um, he's very up and down. Um, it's hard to kind of get a read on him. I know they really want him to be like their lockdown ninth inning guy. It seems to me, at least so far, that he's not consistent enough to fill that role. Um, I saw. I've been seeing some stuff where they're they're. I think they're going to start moving toward maybe having Thompson act in that role sometimes please Finnegan is not him or really Harvey, doing it please. um in five point five and a third innings pitch so far he's rocking an 11.81 era um you know not not great bob so i don't know i mean he's he's one of those people we we talked about the bullpen kind of being the strength of this team going going in and he's had a few good appearances but i mean he to me seems too inconsistent to have as your ninth inning guy and and i would like to see them move toward that kind of being Thompson's role and um, letting Finnegan be more of like a floater the way that they've used Thompson to this point. But I guess we'll see how the, how the managerial staff decides to use him. But um, so far I've been, count me, not super impressed on Finnegan. Josiah's yeah. losing the grip on his cutter and I am very much panicking right now. Sorry, Ryan, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. space is loaded, nobody out. Yeah. I mean, Rendon's up, he's going to strike out. He stinks. <laughs> Amanda, you hit it nail on the nail on the coffin there. I I keep forgetting he's the guy I picked to hate, but it's so funny because he just comes out and sucks, and I I just quote it. I'm like, I don't miss, and I get like 150 likes on it, so that's fun for me. Uh, he has a negative 0.5 WAR already, which is really funny just because how WAR is with relievers. Yeah, 2.063 <laughs> WHIP. He's given up six barrels, which was third most in the league, by the way. Um, that's does bad. that include starters? 
That does include starters. Michael oh, Kopech. No. <laughs> Michael Kopech has oh, given up most no. of the league at eleven, and then there is like an eight, and there's one seven. There's a good number of dudes at six, but Coffin to give us at six, which is really embarrassing because he's a reliever. Um, that's not good. He's, <laughs> he, he's off to a rather a rather bad start. Sources say that he cannot handle the pressure of being my most hated player for no reason whatsoever. Nobody can. Nobody can. Nobody can. Everyone has crumbled. Please credit me on reporting that. I reported it first. Please credit me. I repeat. <laughs> never pick a player we really need to be me. good, please. Yeah. Well, none of them need to be good. This team's boo-boo. But, yeah, just credit me. That <laughs> uh, old joke. <laughs> that joke will never die, and I love it. I love every second of it. All right, now we are okay, fly out, fly out. No, well, fly out to right field, sack fly, but oh. okay. Um, all right, yes. Now we are moving on to the ugly segment, the one that I tried to jump the gun on previously, and that is Patrick Corbin. To what I was going to say earlier, I know it is the low hanging fruit, and we really could na- rename the ugly segment the Corbin segment, but here we are. Patrick Corbin finds himself in the ugly segment again, and you might sit here and go, "Well." He got the win yesterday. He went five innings, only gave four runs. Like, that's a good start for Patrick Corbin. Well, until you realize, like, that's still like a seven and a half ERA. Like, that's not particularly good. It's just the defense and our offense was a little bit better. So, Patrick Corbin finds himself in the ugly segment. Let's go, game or inning, inning, double play. Whoo, whoo. Live updates. That. Isn't this great radio or great podcasting? Just kidding. Like, interrupting thoughts or, uh, you know, game updates uh, that are going to be in the past by the time you listen to this. Um, but yeah, Patrick Corbin, ugly. Ryan, what are your thoughts? So there's there's a good number of people on this team who would be unemployed if they weren't on this team. And Patrick Corbin's one. Uh, so we know that Patrick Corbin has been the worst pitcher in baseball going back to 2020. 2020, 2022, he's one full run worse than the next worst pitcher. He's egregious, right? You're thinking new year, he'll come back. Wrong. He sucks. Uh, Through three starts, he has a negative 0.4 war. He has a 7.71 ERA. His expected ERA is 10. So his defense has saved him two runs. Uh, His whip is 2.14. He's pitched 14 innings. 0.14, oh God. I mean, it's just it's it, it gets it gets worse, man. Don't don't you worry. He's given up twenty four hits, which is the most in the league. He's given up twelve earned runs, which is the most in the league. Hitters are slashing three seventy five, four twenty three, five sixty three against him. That's the second highest batting average against, and that's the highest OPS against. He's given up six barrels, which is how many as Kyle Finnegan has given up. He still owes fifty nine million dollars. It is an absolute disservice to the fans of this franchise that this team keeps throwing him out there every single fifth day. He provides nothing. He doesn't give you a chance to win. Yes, he won. He went five innings, gave up four runs, and that was a good start for him because that's how bad he's been. You can't give Patrick Corbin six years. is the worst thing that Dan has ever tweeted. That tweet haunts me in my sleep. I am so tired of watching this bum pitch. And the fact that he's not working at an Enterprise Rent-A-Car is so egregious and I feel like it's just because Baldy cannot put his ego aside and admit that that was terrible. We're stuck with him. He's out there every single fifth day and you can pencil on a loss. He's going to give up at least four runs. He's bad. They're teeing off on him. Absolutely 
teeing off on him. His exit velocity is way up this year. He's given up a lot of the hard contact. He actually gave up the second most hard hit percentage in the league. He's bad. It's a disservice to every single one of us who care about this team and spend money on this team that he keeps going out there. He shouldn't be in Major League Baseball. He should not be in a rotation. I know this is probably going to be one of the three worst teams in baseball this year. He's not good enough for that. He should not be here. And I cannot stand the fact that I still have to keep watching him. Well, you know, I have nothing to add to that. <laughs> Co-signed to all that. Actually, I will add just one thing. It it feels like a cosmic cruelty that a guy like Steven Strasburg is so injury riddled that it's derailed and ruined his entire career. And a guy like Patrick Corbin is healthy all the time and ready to make 30 starts a year. It's just not fair. Only about 57 more starts until he's a free agent. Oh, don't, oh, don't say that out loud ever again. <laughs> It's just, I also just wanted some... to add to your list of stats one other one that I really liked, which was his hits per nine is 15.4. Oh, my God. 15.4 <laughs> hits per nine. 15.4 hits per nine. Oh, is my that, is that God. Good? Is that good? The whip, the 2.14, really got me, but the hits per nine is worse. That's just... It's it's funny almost. It's so awful. It's just funny. I don't even know. You have to laugh or you'll cry. I would just like to point out that through Ryan's uh, lovely statistics, he did say uh, it's a disgrace to us fans that care about this that care about this team. So he just admitted that he cares about this team, which I feel like is kind of uh, revolutionary news. I thought you news. were going to correct his grammar. And no, 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 fans, please, but... please. I'm not, I'm not you. I'm, I don't go around correcting people's grammar. Hey, I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I wasn't going to. I was no, really he, it lie. He just admitted he cares about this team. I feel like that's like groundbreaking news. I we feel like we know. made progress in therapy. I don't care about anything. <laughs> uh, I don't care about nothing. It's funny you, you bring that up, Ryan, though, because I was literally just thinking today, like as, you know, I was preparing for the show, I was like, if if they just ate fifty nine million right now, would Patrick Corbin land with another team? And I was like really trying no. to like be unbiased about it, but I really think the answer is no because there's nothing unless a team thinks it can like fix his slider and maybe he's like open to a bullpen role. Like maybe I could see it that way. But could he land with another another team as a starter? No. If the worst team in baseball cuts you and like pays you to play for another team, I don't think you're going to land anywhere else. And that just that's I mean, what Corbin would you what would pitching. you realistically pay a guy like that? Like if you're another team and you think well, oh, he just pocketed fifty nine million dollars, he can like go play for pro bono rates. Twelve like, bucks at that and point. a pack of gum or something. Yeah, like it doesn't really matter. He can go live where he wants to live. I, I don't I know if he like still lives in Arizona out. or what. I would like to find out, Nick. I would like to find out what would happen if they cut him and just paid him fifty nine million dollars to go away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at Mike Rizzo, let's see. You won't. You won't. Yeah. But Do yeah, so, so that's uh, <laughs> that's the Patrick Corbett segment, which I don't know if it'll be weekly. We can only say so much on, on the situation. You guys have seen the past three years. We can update those stats. Week, yeah, right? yeah. We'll see if the uh, 15.4 <laughs> hits per nine changes at all. Uh, I, I'm almost like rooting for it to go up because like it would be like Me a too. Trevor Rosenthal in, infinite yes. ERA type thing. 
Like I'm that was almost... my favorite thing that ever happened ever in the history of this team was the infinite ERA situation. I I never enjoyed anything more. Yeah, <laughs> never. Not not the World Series, not the no, individual nothing. accolades, not the MVP seasons, not the Cy Young. No, it was an infinite ERA. Who knew? It was, it was endlessly entertaining. Who knew? Amanda was a cynic the entire time. Yeah, I try to fight it. <laughs> no, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> oh, Not man. Really. But yeah, that does it for the good, the bad, and the ugly segment. It'll be back next week. We'll see who goes where next week. But now we are going to do something a little bit more fun. Something we did a couple weeks ago. Right? It was at some point. Right? We did once at some point. At yeah, we did point. once at some point a couple weeks ago, <laughs> maybe a couple months ago. Time is... A construct circle. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to do our scenes from a hat promptly renamed scenes from a gnat because from the show, whose line is it anyways? If you know that show at all, which highly recommend great show players or contestants are put into a situation. I guess this would be contestants. They are players where contestants are put into situations where they have to kind of think on the spot, come up with something witty, something clever. You guys will see how it works here in a minute. So we are putting Ryan and Amanda head to head against each other as they play scenes from a gnat. So how it's going to work. The two players will get a question and whoever has the funnier, more witty response gets a point. Best of five, first to three wins. Are you guys ready? Ready. All right, we are going to flip a coin and see who goes first. Getting my coin out. All right, Amanda, call it. Three, two, one, call it. Tails. It is tails. You want to go first or second? Second. All right, Ryan, your first question. And please, for the audio clip purposes, when I give the, the, the prompt, just answer. No more. Like, oh, well, my answer is this, right? Just for audio purposes, because we're going to clip this, because I have faith in you guys that you're going to come up with something witty tonight. We're going to get that that gold material, that viral material tonight. All right, (laughs) Ryan, something you can say at the dinner table and about the Nationals. What the hell is Dom Smith doing here? (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, Amanda. Something you can say at the dinner table and about the Nationals. This is exactly as disappointing as I expected. Mm. Mm. I'm going to give a point to Ryan just because I didn't expect him to go the Dom Smith route. And I I found that pretty funny. Yeah, there's a million ways you could have gone. But Dom Smith catching the the bullet first was pretty funny. And I should have seen it coming. I was between that and these noodles just don't hit as hard as they used to. But. Dom Smith mm. slander is always fun. Yeah, Dom Smith slander plays. If you want to know the bosses or the, the judges, uh, you know, the way that the judges are. All right, mm. question two for Ryan. Something you can say while watching a horror movie and about the Nationals. Urgh, that was so boring. It put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, all of these no-name characters are just here to be lambs for the slaughter. Oh, oh! I'm gonna give that point to Amanda. Yeah, That's pretty la- smart. La- lambs in the slaughter. That was good. <laughs> that was pretty good. That, that, that was, was good. good. I see what you did there. That was that uh-huh. was nice. Well done. 
Thanks. Point Amanda. Point Amanda. Who knew you had it in you? All right. <laughs> Round three for Ryan. Something you can say during a test and about the Nationals. It's simple analytics. It's not that hard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. Amanda. Um, who are these people? I don't know anything about any of these people. Didn't hit. Didn't hit. No, Point I Ryan. didn't have anything on that one. I didn't have anything. I don't know. Point Ryan, but I'm Ryan pretty confident. I'm pretty confident Ryan would have won that regardless. His was pretty good. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty good. good. All right, Ryan with a two to one lead, a chance to clinch. Question four: Something you can say to your dog that just peed on the carpet and about the Nationals. No, it's okay. You made a mistake. The thing is to learn from the. Oh, oh, nope. You just did the same thing over again. <laughs> All right. Dog just peed on the car. Um, yeah, I know he does stupid shit all the time, but I love him anyway. Uh, I mean, very, very two different ways of going about this. That's not fair. <laughs> That's not fair. All right. We're going to say a tie. We're going to push. I'm not going to give you a tie. I got another one. I got another one. I got all another right. One. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead, Ryan. Better start learning Chinese, bud. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, probably probably could have gone with Korean or Japanese to make it more like what the maths need to uh, do. <laughs> no, that's a it's that's a meme I quoted. <laughs> oh yeah, I didn't get that at all. But yeah. I see if you'd gone with the better start learning Japanese, then you know that could have been the whole you're gonna have to go play in Japan because you suck too much to play in the I, I, They're not good enough for the Japanese language. That's the problem. <laughs> Although apparently Eric Fetty is a god over there. So oh. Well, well, that actually makes the point we were just discussing, doesn't it? This is true. This is true. All right. Final question. Amanda needs this point to tie. This is for Ryan. Something you can say at the water park and about the Nationals. I'm wet. <laughs> Amanda. Okay. Um, I know all the screaming and closing my eyes makes it hard to believe, but I'm actually doing this because I enjoy it. Hmm. Interesting. Little little self-reflection there from Amanda. I'm going to give a point to Amanda because I don't believe Ryan's ever wet while watching the Nationals. <laughs> I should have. Uh, I, I was going to close it out with what the hell is Don Smith doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that would have gotten See, you a you point. Gotten the point. <laughs> that would have gotten the point. Double dipped on that one. That's funny in any situation. As it turns it's out. full circle moment. It's a full circle moment. Yeah, you uh, could answer any question with what the hell is Dom Smith doing? It, 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 it literally work. worked for every single one of these. Yeah, uh, it, I would have loved it so much if you had just committed to that bit and just, <laughs> and just answered Dom Smith for answer. every single one. <laughs> <laughs> like for the dog one. It's like Dom Smith disgusting. knows how to use the bathroom. You can too. <laughs> I just get more and more disgusted every time I say his name. <laughs> Dom Smith. <laughs> All right, well. After the end of five rounds, we are tied at two and a half apiece because I ref- I, I like both answers on the fourth one. So we're going to go to a tiebreaker. Tie, tie goes to Amanda. Huh? No. Tiebreaker. Tiebreaker. Tie right. We have a bonus question. Winner take all. Something you can say on a roller coaster and about the Nationals. Ryan, you go. I want to die. <laughs> all right, Amanda. Something you can say on a roller coaster and about the Nationals. Why am I doing this again? It always makes me throw up. 
<laughs> Point to Amanda. That was good. That was good on the spot. Amanda takes. <laughs> Amanda takes this game, the series. Yay, Amanda! One a piece. Ryan won the first one. Amanda I almost went with what the hell is Dom Smith doing? I just that would have been good. That would have gotten the point. <laughs> Like that would have been very you're good. Like, you're like, ah, Dom Smith! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, I don't know what poor Dom Smith did to earn all of this this evening. It's more it's of what best. he didn't do. <laughs> oh, boy. So that concludes this uh, episode or segment of Scenes from a Nat. It will be a recurring segment throughout the year. We'll get different contestants on here. We still got to get Monty on here to participate because we know he claims he's the pun god we'll see we'll see we'll put him on the spot and see how it performs so that does it for this episode we are going to wrap up with our final thoughts you guys got anything you wanted to talk about before we wrap up and uh watch the end of this dance game yeah i had a a sort of one big thing wrap up thing that i we just haven't really managed to have a time to talk about much but minor league players getting a labor deal a union deal mm, with MLB yeah, is a yeah. really, really big deal and uh, super fantastic to see all at every level of minor league baseball. It at least doubled their salaries, which was great. But when you started looking at what those numbers actually were and what they were getting paid before, it's just nauseating. It's still terrible. Yeah. They're still getting paid peanuts, especially given how much money baseball earns and how these guys are the future of the game. I just don't understand wanting to like, pay them starvation wages when these are the guys you're counting on to be the next big thing for your teams. But it was just a huge thing. And baseball and major league baseball did actually voluntarily recognize the union after, um, after all the negotiations and they're going to be recognized by the MLBPA. So just really, really cool and really good news. And I just wanted to, to bring it up and touch on it briefly in case anybody listens, hadn't heard about that or wasn't aware of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's still terrible rate wages. I mean, they could literally make more money a year by going to work at their local enterprise rent a car, mm-hmm. uh, which with is with Patrick Corbin. Yeah, with Patrick Corbin, which is just hilarious. Although Patrick Corbin has fifty nine million dollars plus in the bank, and they don't, so a little bit of di- different situation. But it's certainly a start, and it was good to see that they had a CBA ratified. It gives them a lot more protection, uh, protection they did not have whatsoever previously. So great to see. Great to see. Ryan, you got a one big thing? Yeah, I do. We stink. <laughs> what the it's hell is really, Dom Smith doing here? Honestly, <laughs> it's no, my one big thing is enjoy these wins now because when you look at this, t- every single player analytics on this team, you're like, how the hell has this team won four games? Um, they're <laughs> one four games. Oh, God. <laughs> It's it's bad. Every single player I look at analytics is screens regression. And I'm like, great. They're not even playing that well already. So yeah, en- enjoy it now because five wins in the next like 30, that, that streak's going to come and it's going to mm-hmm. suck because they're playing above their means right now, which is really funny to think about because they're four and seven, but that's what happens when you have Dom Smith or King. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, it is true. And uh it's also worth pointing out that anyone who actually is decent and doesn't regress and is worth a damn is going to be gone at the trade deadline. So enjoy it. I mean, but I, I would actually enjoy that. 
I would actually enjoy the players that you are worth would. the damn at the deadline being mm-hmm. traded because that's what they need to do. Um, and honestly, like I know I've given him tons of shit offensively, even though he leads the team in home runs. Jamer Candelario, his defense has been outstanding. So if his bat can come around, it, at the very least, if he starts hitting home runs, which is a big if knowing this team, if he can do that, he can get something. He's on a one-year deal, so he's not going to get like a haul, but he can get like a very serviceable arm or, you know, rotational piece or whatever. He can get something like he's playing out of his mind defensively. Now we just we thought we were signing him for his bat, right? And now it's kind of flipped. So if his bat can get to what we expected it to be, like as far as range of outcomes for a bounce back performance now that he's out of Detroit in that uh, pitcher friendly park, like that could be something. So, you know, as much as I don't like these guys taking up spots from the younger guys or taking up opportunities, like I need them to do good so they can get the hell out of here. If they're not going to do good, they're just going to take up spots for the whole year. And then we're just going to be stuck the whole year. So it's this kind of awkward catch 22. Yeah, if if the if the plan is and I struggle to see if this is the plan because, you know, they've had times where they just don't make what seem like obvious moves to make at the deadline. But if the plan is to let these these guys play until then so that they can have an extended tryout, you can flip them at the deadline, and then give these younger guys some opportunities later in the year. I guess I could get behind that. I just like you said, if they're not good and they're not going to get you anything at the deadline, then get them out of the lineup. If they are good, then, you know, there's some argument for just planning on getting them out of here mid-year and and then letting those guys have the opportunity, the younger guys have their opportunities. But I guess we'll see what happens. We shall see. Um, all right. I got a couple of quick things. One, uh, Andrew McCutcheon's return to PNC was absolute chills. Oh. It was excellent. I just... I can't remember the last baseball moment where like I'm watching mm-hmm. him like, oh, my God, this is awesome. Like outside of like a playoff atmosphere or anything like that. But holy hell, like it just it brought back like all kinds of nostalgia. And obviously, I'm not even a pirate fan, but like, yeah, imagine that, how it felt if you were a pirate fan. Like the, that was one of those. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Right. right. And then <laughs> yeah. it brought back memories of the Johnny Cueto game at PNC Park. I think it was oh, in the wild card yeah. game in like 2014 or whatever. Like that was pittsburgh was bumping and um all that like it was just awesome to see and i was like oh man i wish there it is nats players could come back but you know they're all signed to lifetime contracts so none of them will come back (laughs) so that kind of stinks but anyways yeah two run shot off gray sorry to interrupt oh damn i am way behind then um sick all right um another thing did you say two run no it was just a solo shot Oh, oh, I, was was say, I thought you said two run. I was like, there's oh, no I think one I did. It's, it's two zero now. Two zero. Oh, that's it. Yeah. I wasn't paying close enough attention. Yeah. Yeah. Just a solo shot. He, yeah. He was missing a lot though. So again, like that. if he gets through six innings, allowing two runs on three hits, you're like, yeah, he gave up a home run, but he's still through six innings on two runs. And yeah, if you throw an elevated cutter that doesn't cut in the top of the strike zone, it's going to get hit out of the park for uh for a home run um that is is a thing that will happen my last thing i am absolutely on fire betting right now and people need to take (laughs) notice like i one 
the honestly the biggest reason is because it will not last like i am out of my mind right now it's like one of those nba games where the guy off the bench is just like raining threes and he cannot miss and he becomes an overnight sensation that literally does nothing for the rest of his career this is my linsanity run i am on fire i hit a plus 3200 bet on a lane thomas first pitch single the other day who bets that i do why don't know it hit it like it almost insured on pl- like plus money for the month. It was unreal. I'm out of my mind. Posting picks every day, posting like clips with my picks to YouTube like once or twice a week. Tell me while you can because this will not last. Like enjoy it while you can. Make money with me while you can because it will not last. But I am out of my mind right now. I'm like 30 and 12 on the season. Wow. I never bet anything. I don't win anything ever, but congratulations. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Except for maybe a Super Bowl squares randomly. Yeah, randomly. A little backstory. Uh, Amanda graciously uh, donated to my 14U team Super Bowl square fundraiser and then ended up winning. (laughs) And I literally have never played. I didn't even know what I was doing. I've been doing those for like 10 years and I haven't won once. And Amanda goes, oh, here. And then just wins. Like, what the hell? (laughs) Not fair. I bought a whole row. Oh, now we're kicking the ball around. It's oh, fantastic. Boy. Yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right, we're going to end the show before this game completely uh, falls into shambles in front of our eyes. All right, that does it for this episode. Be sure to follow us everywhere. If you have it on your phone or computer, we're there. Um, so, oh, God. Of course, I was just It was about... right after you were talking yeah. about Candelario's <laughs> oh, defense. Boy. You jinxed him, Nick. So I jinxed Candelario. I probably just jinxed my bets too. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um, yeah, this is, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad. All right. Um, so yeah, that does it for this episode. Halfstreethighheat.com, districtondeck.com, youtube.com, search Half Street High Heat. Trey does great work over there. We all do great work. Uh, Half Street High Heat on Twitter, A White 7877. We are all Shaq, the coach moves all on Twitter. Follow us all. We appreciate you listening. And in the meantime, Please just don't let this game dissolve, Matt's. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team is mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the calls has passed the wall to see you later. Dawn, well, you can see they're running scared Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air Tell the Library of Congress that they might not want to look Cause we're putting curly W's in every book Let's go
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.